1: and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor and Resiliency Expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, dot com. My guest today is Sabrine Shalaza. She was named one of the top 2014 Top Female Entrepreneurs in Canada, and she's been on this list 10 times in the past years. She is one of three partners of Schleza uh, Saddlery Service, and they've been manufacturing English riding saddles in Canada since 1986. They specialize in saddles made for women, especially for recreational and amateur riders who care about comfort for themselves and protection for their horses backs they have had numerous business and industry awards and were featured twice on discovery channel and also in the wall street journal uh uh, sabrine was awarded exporter of the year from the organization of women in international trade in toronto And she worked for NASA during the space lab years in the late 70s as a liaison between the U.S. aeronautical engineers and the European Space Agency engineers through the American consulate in Germany. She and her husband were just awarded 2014 Entrepreneurs of the Year at the Business Excellence Awards from the Newmarket Chamber of Commerce. And for those who don't know, Newmarket is near Toronto, a fairly big city. Uh, welcome to the show today, Sabine.
0: Thank you, Tom. It's Sabina, by the way.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, Sabina. There you go. See, I got the last name, and then I screwed up the first name. You did, and that's usually
0: the
1: name. hard one. Yeah, uh, that's huh? usually the hard one because if people see how it's spelled, it's like Ah, oh, Sabina. So there we go. It's a Mistake to start off the show. But uh, as that's I was telling same. you before, as I was telling you before the show, both of my sisters uh, rode horses a lot competitions. They got ribbons on their walls when they were kids. And one of the things I had to do to get the car on a Saturday night was drive my sisters to muck out the stalls um, for the shows and clean up the horses and get everything ready for shows. And so I remember vividly how early they had to get up and how excited they were and uh, how often they went. And so it's a pretty cool industry.
0: I had to do that too for my husband when he was competing. We used to get up at four in the morning. I had to braid his horse, and uh, you know, clean him, muck out the stalls, and get him ready at the trailer to wherever the competition he was in at the time. So right. I know I can for, feel your pain. <laughs> and my sister did
1: it for no money. I think they got to the ride for free, so that seemed to excite okay. them a lot. Uh, But it's like, wow, I'm driving my sister. Who, I really don't want to spend half an hour in the car with to go so she can go clean up poop for the morning. It's like, wow, interesting dynamics it was so I could get the car. So very cool. And now from reading about you, your husband is just as famous as you are and has done some amazing things on his own and got out some great awards as well. So brag on him a little bit as well. And you can pronounce his name because it seems like it's a... Uh, I don't want to screw up another name.
0: His name is Jochen Schleser, and yes, he's actually he's actually the very famous face of the company. He's the one who's out there all the time. He's actually known worldwide in this industry as one of the premier premier authorities on the topic of saddle fitting. and now that he's just finished his... His first book came out in 2012 in Germany, and um, I translated it for the North American market last year. It's called Suffering in Silence, the Physical and Psychological... Saddle Fit Link to Trauma in Horses. So, um, Actually, no, the Saddle Fit Link to Physical and Psychological Trauma in Horses. There. That's the actual title. Um, and it came out last year. It's actually available on Amazon as well, and it's it's done really well. It's it's basically considered a bestseller. Um, I think once it hits 5,000, that's considered yep. a bestseller in Canada. And it's yep. going into its second printing this uh, this spring. So we're really excited about that. And I tell you, that first royalties check, even though it was you know small, you don't make money on these books but it's just it was just so cool we actually framed it <laughs> <laughs>
1: right uh i have two coming out in january and you know i've heard the same thing like don't go buy a new cadillac right away or anything no. yet but you know they said it's very nice to have uh these checks come in and it's like oh wow cool yeah yeah it is and exactly five
0: thousand
1: that that is a bestseller in canada
0: yeah, and we're, um, well, actually 5,000, 5,000 is North America, um, and, and most of our clients are in the States, so I'm thinking that probably most of the books got sold down there. But anyways the point is that it's going into a second printing, and um, that's mm-hmm. very cool. And actually, um, I'm in the process of writing a, a business book, I'm uh, basically mistakes I've made in business and the things I've learned from them, sort of thing, that kind of a, a of it. to it, all anecdotal. And, and I've made a lot of mistakes, so it's going to be a big book. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) And it goes so along with my theme
1: of life is helping people to live positively through the challenges of life because none of us are going to escape them. Some of them are going to be business challenges, relationship challenges, money challenges. There's like a gazillion different challenges. And if you can learn from someone else's mistakes, you can be like, at least I didn't have to make that mistake on my own.
0: Exactly. And I think it it really is only a negative mistake if you don't learn from it. So I'm, I'm right. hoping that um, the, the lessons that I've learned from the mistakes that I've made will help some other young entrepreneur avoid them. And I think back when we began our company, you know, we did so much what, we, what we've we accomplished by trial and error and, and mistakes, 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 and learning from them, learning from them, learning from them. We, there was no mentorship programs at the time and, and all of these, you know, really great... Um, Uh, coaching networks that are available now. None of that was available back then. Back in 1992, um, the Federal Business Development Bank, which is now the Business Development Corporation of Canada, they set up this program called Step Up or Step Ahead for women business owners mentoring other women business owners. And I Mm -hmm. actually applied for that. And I applied with with the intent of being a protege to someone and because of the level of accomplishments that we'd have been in business for six years, we'd already started exporting and stuff, I was asked to be a mentor. So I kind of was forced in that role, but it was great because I learned from my protégés as much as they hopefully learned from me as well. So it was you know a win-win situation, and I love those kinds of relationships. I'm still involved with um, mentoring, um, even through our local chamber, and I just think it's really rewarding to be able to give back and, and teach you know, the lessons that I've learned.
1: Right. And think of the difference it can make because not only do you impact that person you're mentoring, but it could impact their spouse, their family, their kids, their finances, their life yeah. in so many ways and helping them avoid some of those mistakes is, wow, that's taking a lot of stress out of people's lives and just sharing that with them is so amazing. Now, uh, Now, you guys specialize in saddles made, Especially for women, and so when I think of business as a whole, I think, okay, maybe the saddle market is a, not a ginormous business. Maybe it is a ginormous business. It is. But it's when,
0: a sixteen billion dollar industry. Oh, uh, how much? Industry sixteen billion dollars. Okay. That's the equestrian wow. industry as a whole, not just the saddle market, but you know everything right. to do with horses. So it, it's a pretty it's a pretty significant amount of uh, market that's available out there.
1: But when you focus especially on women, you're cutting it in half. So how did you come to that, that decision and that realization that that was the direction that really it, you should take?
0: Well, the way it works is that in this industry, traditionally, saddles have always been made by men for men, and specifically in what we specialize in, which is dressage, which is sort of the basis, um, the basic gymnastics of the horse, which is sort of the what... It doesn't matter what discipline you're in, you have to do this, what we call Mm -hmm. groundwork to have, you know, that kind of connection with your horse. And we started getting um, orders for custom saddles pretty much right after we came to Canada in 1986. And uh, my husband would always say, you know, try this out, try this out, this is a great saddle, try it out, it fits great. And I would sit on it and I was like, "Mm," I didn't really want to (laughs) tell him, but they weren't always that comfortable. And then it was, you know, it's the old thing. When, when someone close to you tells you something is wrong, you go, ah, yeah, what, you discount it. But then we hear the same thing from outside. All of a sudden, it's, oh, great idea, you know. <laughs> so what happened was that basically um, one of one of these very significant riding judges was a client of ours and confided in my husband that she was basically being rubbed bloody by her saddle. And this became... Uh, pretty much a repeat, repeat chorus. We were hearing it more and more and more. And so we decided to come up with this plaster cast method where we actually took a plaster cast of your nether regions. We would have women sit in these plaster casts, and mm-hmm. we call them butt casts. And we could see actually, and he could tell for the first time why the saddles that he was making were not really working out for women. Because when you look at the anatomy of a woman, and it's such a da thing, you think somebody else would have thought of this by now. Our pelvises are built differently than a man's. Obviously, of we're course. childbearing. Right. Um, for a man to sit perfectly straight in dressage, you know, you want your shoulders, hips, heels, classic line from top to bottom, mm-hmm. straight line. Mm-hmm. As a woman, it hurts to sit on your pubic symphysis, and we mm-hmm. can't balance just on our seat bones. So we're sitting on a three-point, like a tripod, rather than a bipod, yeah. which a man is sitting on just his seat bones. Right. And it it hurts to sit there so you collapse at the hip. You 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 start you start um accommodating a poorly fitting saddle, a gender inappropriate saddle we call right. it. Right. By by slouching, overcompensating by some areas. Yeah, yeah by you know, all these things that are going on and, and causing long term damage to yourself. Constant right. bladder infections, um, you know, just sore backs, lumbar lumbar problems, slip discs, back aches. Oh. And, and 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 the saddles are built so that your you know, your your hips are being pulled apart. All these things were never taken into consideration. So we decided to design our saddles specifically for women and we took all of these anatomical requirements into consideration. So we've right. become known as the female saddle specialist. Wow, so we and like you can men. <laughs>
1: right, but the the sounds like the The key market would be that women, and it makes sense because in this day and age, ergonomic chairs, they really know the science of these various things and must be kind of different technology available now that you could have analyzed and said, wow, look at where they're sitting, look at how this works. It must have been kind of cool to come to this realization that, wow, like we might be the only ones looking at this.
0: We were constantly uh, innovating and evolving our models as well, and it's funny that you say ergonomic chairs and stuff because we've actually coined the term uh, saddle ergonomist. Uh, <coughs> saddle, you know, teach and we teach courses. Ergonomist, yeah, yeah. We, we um, teach courses pretty much all over the world through our daughter company called Saddle Fit for Life, which is a purely educational arm of the company. And we've come up with a five-day curriculum that has been endorsed by the United States Lossage Federation, the Certified Horsemanship Association, the Ontario Equestrian Federation, the German National Riding School, and the Professional Association of Trainers in Germany um, because it is such a crucial part of performance for horse and rider. The saddle needs to be gender-appropriate. It needs to fit not only the horse but also the rider. So we take all of these things into consideration and use the saddle as an interface to make the two work together.
1: Wow! So you might have someone, a woman, who has the top part customized, but it would also need to be customized based on what horse she's riding as well. I hadn't even thought of the reverse uh, customization, but horses are different well, actually, sizes. That's,
0: that's something that has always been done, is it? You know, or not always? Uh, uh, was considered first was that the saddle should fit the horse. And a lot of people say, well, I don't really care if the saddle fits me as long as my horse is comfortable. The problem is that if you're not comfortable as a rider, you know, horses can feel the tiniest fly landing on. You may have all seen like this little flick of the skin when a fly lands on the horse. Right. And it will know when the saddle doesn't fit you, when you're uncomfortable as a rider. This discomfort is going to translate down to the horse and make him unable to perform properly or to his best potential. Right. So these are all things that you need to take into consideration. And so many of the, what we call these behavioral issues, which have become part of the mainstream media, there's people talking about, oh, my horse is stubborn, my horse will move forward, my horse won't do this, my horse won't do that. Um, a lot of times, like we also, we also work closely with a lot of veterinarians and other equine professionals, chiropractors, physiotherapists, they deal with issues that could arise from something as simple as a saddle not fitting properly. And, you know, so we're teaching them to take a look at that first. And that's all part of this ergonomics training to be right. able to do an analysis. And we've actually come up, we have an 80-point analysis that we do. This is, how, this is how we actually sell. We go and we have these really great organizers all over North America with whom we work that pull together a group of 20, 30, 40 people at their right. barns. And then we come in, we fly in with our saddle fit technicians. We're basically commuting all over North America and do these uh, week-long clinics, they're called. And that's basically, our, our business is all very custom, very one-to-one. Right. So it's, it's you know, I think wow. it's even more remarkable that we've reached the level of growth and success that we have when you think of it, that it's really all done without a distribution network of, you know, retailers. We work right. with the end consumer. And, and it's, not a, it's not a... It's not a...
1: Not an assembly line, you're customizing no. each one
0: and and it's almost like we see probably with all of our staff probably six thousand horses a year, wow. so we have a huge huge uh, um, database of of you know issues and and various permutations of saddle fit that we can call right. on. and one of the good things wow. is um i like I write articles for very like probably about 14 to 15 different equine media publications. Right. Because it's right. very important to keep your name in the public eye, to be known as the expert, you know?
1: Of course.
0: I'm in the business of personal development. You know,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just recently became a resiliency expert because someone told me I needed to be an expert. So I was like, what's the right. resiliency expert? Well, I've been in hospital 40 times and I had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced. so... I think resilience oh is uh, resilience is what it takes just to keep going. And I have pain wow. from uh, head to toe. My arthritis affects every joint from my jaw to my toes. So
0: since oh the age goodness. of five, I
1: haven't had one minute of no pain. So oh someone said, okay, Tom, you're a resiliency expert. I'm like, okay, yeah, you i gotta be a, <laughs> I got to be an expert, like you said. But now this is another thing that's so cool about the internet is that instead of the old days of my sisters I used to think they were like wimps because the next day they would be moaning and groaning and of course someone who's in pain like me thinks anyone who's moaning and groaning is a wimp because I never say anything so I'd be like
0: I wonder why
1: they're always complaining about how sore they are and how painful it is <laughs> and well, so
0: and it's probably because they were riding in the wrong saddle now you
1: exactly <laughs> and they're smaller they were like they were so those days after the show or a day after the show and they would be complaining and I used to wonder like what the heck is wrong with them and they're young so they're probably not have really ill-fitting saddles but in this day and age you can look up on the internet anything and so 16 billion dollar industry you know people are looking up uh, proper fitting saddles and this kind of uh, education that they can get online and so it's good for you to be out there and making people aware because man you could suffer like health concerns that could be long term you get a bad back that's going to be with you for a long time and if you could have corrected that with a proper saddle that's a good education
0: well that's that's the whole philosophy behind behind saddle fit for life which is a separately incorporated entity um, it's uh, a global network of equine professionals all working together to protect horse and rider from long term back and back damage horses as well as riders you know so uh, it, it It is very, very important that if you want to do this for a long time, you need to make sure that you're you 're covering yourself and We find it's really quite paradoxical um, We love to work with ma- mainly adult amateur writers, and the demographics in the industry have changed a lot um, it's in the last fifty years it's really Swung over to the female side, like most of our clients are women. I would say probably ninety-five percent of our clients are women, wow. and especially in this industry, most of them are women. As you're going to mm-hmm. Western and, and you know into the jumping market, so there's more men, but specifically in the dressage, there's mainly women riding because it's right. something that they can do. You know when their husbands are out on the golf course, the babies are the the kids are off at school, and yeah. they become empty nesters. These are baby boomers who have a lot of discretionary income and some time on their hands. They may have ridden when they were younger or they may have just right. started riding because it's something to do with <laughs> friends. They just doing, bought a horse
1: for her daughter. Their
0: horses, their horses are their babies, you know, and they right. want to do what's right for it, but oftentimes they just don't know what they just don't know, you know. it's it's, it's right. uh, So it's really it's very, very rewarding to work with people who are open to learning and who are open to doing what's right for their horse And, you know, sometimes I think it's very much an altruistic business. My husband is most happy when his clients basically have tears in their eyes and thank him from the bottom of their hearts for the difference he's made in their horses. Right. You know, and he he does what he needs to do to make the horse and rider happy.
1: Wow. Now, in what I teach, Napoleon Hill's success principles, a number one success principle is definiteness of purpose. And when you know your purpose, like sounds like you and your husband know your purpose, so, and when you just described that he's just as happy to get a tearful hug and uh, saving someone from pain, uh, naturally profit will follow or revenue will follow from that. But when he gets more joy from that, you've obviously, the two of you, found your purpose in this business.
0: Well, it's very much my husband's passion. I mean, it's 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 his passion to, to help as many horses and riders as he can worldwide, and he recognizes that he's only got two hands and can't do everything, which is why he's now training the trainers sort of thing. You know, we're trying to expand and getting more people in the Saddle Fit for Life organization who are at least in alignment with the philosophy. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's really interesting how the industry has shifted over the last 30 years since we've been in business. When we first came over to Canada... In 86, my husband was asked to be the official saddler for the World Dressage Championships. They were held for the first time outside of Europe. And when we came here, we found saddles were very much commodities. They were used, abused, broken. Nobody was here who could really mm-hmm. fit them, who could, who could repair them. And nobody really cared that much whether or not they completely fit or not. So we've changed the way people have to sell saddles here. I mean, nobody used to go out to the barns and actually measure horses and measure the rider and all that. Now, now Almost every saddle company does that. And, you know, the competition is not sleeping, and it's really interesting how we're being imitated left, right, and center. Our ads are being copied, what we say is being copied, maybe paraphrased a little bit, but it's rewarding on the one hand, and it's very flattering, and it's great, because basically it is for the good of the horse, and we have to keep that in mind. And, I mean, actually what we're trying to do is um, we've organized, we have a, a foundation that we started in California my husband and two of our associates—one is a trainer, one is a veterinarian. It's called Hippo, which is Horse Industry Professionals Protecting Our Horses. So, mm-hmm. if uh, you're interested in it online, it's HippoFoundation.org, and there are some really cool videos there of what it is that we do. We're actually trying to uh, sell it out as a um, reality TV program, it's kind of like the mm-hmm. Extreme Makeover: The Horse Edition. All right. We take horses that have been uh, having problems some of these behavioral issues that I talked about, and they'll be put into training. They'll work with a veterinarian, and they'll work with a saddle fitter to fix wow. the issues.
1: One of the uh, guys sorry. I interviewed for the radio show, he's a producer of a... He is in the middle of production of a reality show right now. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to email him and see what he might think of this idea. Awesome. Because uh, yeah, uh, last time I wanted to get together with him, he's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm filming a reality show. But what yeah. an amazing way to educate people this would be to uh, to do that, and and uh, what a great foundation. So hippo, but not it's not just H I P P O, it has an H on the end, doesn't it's it? On the end,
0: yep. Horse industry foundation professionals protecting our horses foundation hippofoundation.org yes org.
1: Wow, that sounds like it's going to make a uh, uh, going to educate a lot of people. Now, I was thinking as well, like you just mentioned about measuring the horse. Like surely, if the ergonomics of measuring the rider, you must be able to make a with the technology and the science to analyze it. You must must be a way more comfortable ride for a horse this day than it used to be. Whereas just slap this one on that horse over there, you must be able to really make a maybe not a pillow-top mattress-type experience, but it must be much nicer with what you have available now for a horse than it used to be 30 years ago. Well, it
0: all depends. You see, this is a very traditional industry as well, and a lot of the companies still use the old traditional English spring trees, which are made in England, which are basically 16 layers of laminated wood. um, They're not ergonomically designed, I have to tell you, um, they have forward-facing tree points, which can impact the shoulder cartilage every time the horse moves. That they don't—they don't have the ability to be adjusted. Our, tr- our saddle trees, which is sort of like the chassis of the saddle, um, mm-hmm. can be adjusted over the course of the horse's life. We consider our saddles an investment. They're not very inexpensive, wow. but they are—they are absolutely inexpensive when you consider you're saving vet bills, you're saving right. having to buy a new saddle every couple of years because your horse will change. It's like when you Mm -hmm. exercise, you know your body changes. When you don't exercise or when you eat more or whatever, your body changes. And most horses are actually muscled much more strongly on the left. Most horses are what we call left-handed, just like most people are right-handed. But the point is that the left-handed shoulder on on the horse, you know, left or right, whatever, anyways, most of them are asymmetric. Right. And the saddle tree needs to accommodate this asymmetry because even though a saddle might look like it's fitting when its horse is standing still, it has to work when the horse is moving. We call this dynamic fit, and not many people can do that either. Not many people have the tools to do it. Not many people have the materials in the saddles to be able to adjust them properly. We adjust asymmetrically to fit the bigger shoulders so that when the horse moves um, in a saddle that has not been adjusted, the saddle will start twisting to the Right. Right. These can cause all sorts of problems. The rider will become crooked and accommodate this, try to compensate this crookedness. The saddle will hit the sacroiliac joint, it will hit uh-huh. the nuchal ligament and it will cause usually on the opposite side, the right hind is usually the problem because the horses are muscles more strong in the left. It'll cause right. hawk issues and symptomatic lamenesses. And there will be bucking and there will be stumbling and there will be tripping and there may be rearing all sorts of neat things that happen there because the saddle doesn't fit. And what's also Mm -hmm. interesting is the fact that the stallion bites the mare over on the the trapezius, on the neck, when he's going to mount her. Right. Right? And if the saddle pinches there, the instinct for the mare is to stand still, drop her back, and rotate her pelvis in preparation for mating. If you've got a saddle that pinches there, you're causing the same instinctive reflex of the Uh horse and the riders on top saying, why won't my horse go forward, and right. using the spurs and the whip and everything, whereas the instinct is for the horse to stand still. Wow.
1: Nobody figured out. Know, that.
0: Horses, horses were never meant to be ridden. We forced this on them. And so horses are prey animals, and their instinct is to run. And then all of a sudden they've got this thing on their back, which yeah. goes against their very nature, you know? It's it's quite right. interesting psychology to think about.
1: Amazing. And I don't hear the word sacroiliac used very often, but I've had four hips replaced. And what uh, the pain I felt was in my sacroiliac, apparently more than in my hip. And
0: it, yeah,
1: is a, it is an excruciating pain that you would think, that doesn't feel like my hip. It feels like behind my hip, but how can such a small joint so excruciatingly. Yes,
0: well and you understand what the horses are going through.
1: <laughs> exactly. And then asymmetrical, almost everybody. If you go to the gym, talk to a few people like, Hey, I can lift five pounds heavier with this arm than that arm And so yeah. even, even people almost all of them are asymmetrical, stronger on one mm-hmm. side than mm-hmm. another.
0: Yep, absolutely and so
1: interesting to, to learn that. And now uh obviously, you guys are experts at saddles, but then you also had to be business people as well. And one of the cool things you did, because, you know, other professionals for our big sport, sport, you're in a sport, really, industry, they would go out and get just the biggest name riders and say, here's some money. Can you just tell people how great exactly. our saddles are? But uh, you decided uh, to do a grassroots approach except for one exception and I will let you pronounce your name but that was a must have been an interesting uh, decision to make to not go out and just throw money at the biggest names in the industry to get promotions for your saddles
0: well I'm, I'm going to be rude here we call these top riders sometimes saddle whores because they will go with whoever pays the most money um, not mm-hmm. necessarily even that they use the product to ride in when they're actually training and stuff. And it's just, we, we decided, you know, first of all, other companies can afford to do this because their saddles are made, uh, first of all, mostly not in North America, and second of all, on an assembly line basis, and they're not in any way customized as, to any degree how ours are. Mm-hmm. So they can afford that. You know, they're paying maybe eight, $900 for their saddle, at the end of the day, and ours cost three or four times that much just to make them, so we mm. don't have that great a margin to be able to give that kind of stuff away. For one right. thing, the other thing is is that, like I said, um, I'm very loath to spend fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year on promoting some top guy who, mm. essentially, you know, people might buy the saddle because so and so rides in it. But if you have if you have time, go to uh, YouTube. There's a three-minute video that we made. It's called Red Shoes and Saddle Fitting. And basically the concept is is that my husband walks in the barn wearing these red high-heeled pumps. It's funny, I got them on a transsexual website or transvestite <laughs> website.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's become part of our branding. We have the little red high-heel in our ads and stuff. And people say, oh, what's with right. the red shoe? And he comes in and he basically says, oh, what? You're laughing at me. Says, don't you like my new shoes? My best friend wears them. She says they fit everywhere, and go with everything. <laughs> they look great on her. She, you know, she looks fabulous when she wears them. And the point is, is that just because your trainer or somebody else says, "Oh, this is a fantastic saddle," it may not be right for you, and it may not be right, right. for your horse. So you have And you to may not know
1: like the something. motive of the guy telling you that it's, or the woman telling you it's the best saddle. If I'm being paid to say something, I'm. Yeah, you don't. It, you, you don't.
0: Know? Um, you know, I mean. <laughs> Rewarding your your salespeople or your you know your ambassadors is pretty much standard in the industry, which is fine. There's nothing really wrong with that, right? But you know, to pay somebody, and I'm talking really big bucks here, yeah. uh, to say in every auto, this is the best saddle on the market, that's just BS. I'm sorry, you know, it just uh, right. it makes no sense. And these people, honestly, they have so many so many helpers and so many opportunities at their fingertips. It's the backyard rider, the the grassroots amateur rider, who totally, you know, her horse is her life. She loves them like pets, are part of the family, and they truly care about making a difference with what they're doing with their horses. It's um, it's a different story with with the top riders. They're more in it for you know, they want the results and yeah, our logo for hippo, our hippo, our hippo uh, logo is also horses first, ribbon second. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly, and you were speaking earlier to a demographic like my youngest sister. She just bought a horse like last year. She has a young daughter, and when I hear how well they treat that horse, it's like wow. This is like that's how I treat my dogs. Uh, they're going out and feeding them organic. Her f- or boy or a girl, I don't know, what it is, just feeding it organic food and just spending a lot of time with it. It's like. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, they're part
0: of the family, and it's 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 important that you know that's what we've recognized. These are the people who, honestly, you know, they'll come to a saddle fitting. And they'll say, "Okay, my budget is a thousand dollars." And at the end of the day, they're they're writing a check for seven thousand dollars without batting an eye because they understand the why. And my husband's right. favorite thing is always people who understand the why will always mm-hmm. follow the people who, un- who 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 sell the how. You know.
1: Right, right. And there was another sale of them to love sales trainer, I love, Zig Ziglar, you would ask people, is it the the price that you're worried about or the cost? The price could be, you could buy a $900 saddle, but the cost, what is the cost of your health? What is the cost of your horse's health? What's the cost of your long-term health and all the various problems that could come from that? So you pay price one time or is it going to cost you over a long period of time? And so, as you say, with an adjustable saddle, uh, uh, when you get older, you may get fatter, skinnier, or shorter, or all kinds of dimensions could change. And so, when you really care about the horse, and if you've got your daughter starting to ride a horse, and you're talking about the long-term health of your young daughter... And my sister would walk out of there with two of them because she could afford it and she would see the value of paying that much more for the lifetime value of a saddle and the lifetime value of her and her daughter.
0: Well, we've actually done the uh, net present value calculation of it, whether you... Buy a let's say a two thousand dollar saddle, and recognize that you have to buy a new one every two to three years as your horse changes conformation. Um, because the horse will change drastically, probably through the first ten years of its life. Or you buy a you know seven thousand dollar saddle and pay the adjustment fee every year, like like with a car. You know you have to do oil change and everything else. Um, at the end of the day, and then you take the difference in money that you would have. Paid for the saddle and invest it for the life of the saddle, which we say like ten, fifteen years, and you come out several thousands of dollars ahead of the game.
1: Wow! And when you—that's only where the one-to-one sales associates,
0: yeah. can really
1: yeah. explain that. Uh, a short clip in a advertising—that's where you're paying a big bucks for—is not going to be able to explain the value of your health and your horse's health and your daughter's health and the long-term value of a saddle, rather than buying five of them, you're only going to be buying one. And the humanness of it all, the science behind it all, uh, that can only be done one-on-one from even maybe a woman who's ridden on those crappy saddles who can say, "Uh, have you ever had like a bladder infection uh, probably these conversations don't just happen in a coffee shop, right? So I mean, an experienced rider would be like, oh, yeah, like I had, is that because of the saddle?" And It's only one-to-one like that where they can really explain, well, let me tell you about the science behind it and the lifetime value. And that's where it must be the most effective to be sold because even just on the phone here, and having her, her lived it with my sisters years ago and my sister now, I could see, like, if one of your sales associates saw with my sister, that checkbook would be out, and it would make, <laughs> there would be no question at all. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's in New Hampshire. You sell down in the States?
0: Oh, of course, yes. We have tons of uh, clients down in the States. Like actually, I said, about 70% of our business is down in the States, and... Um, it's interesting. We actually work with a lot of uh, body workers, human body workers, physiotherapists, massage therapists, um, chiropractors, who wow. oftentimes, you know, especially in this area, New York region, where the horse capital of Canada, they deal with clients who are, are having problems because of the fact that they're riding in gender-inappropriate saddles. And oftentimes the physiotherapists don't know this. Uh, you know, they're dealing with right. whatever... Um, lumbar problems or subluxations or whatever, and they don't know the questions to ask because they don't even think about, oh, maybe this is caused because you're riding in a saddle that's not right for you. So we right. educate them as well, and it's really quite cool because they can take part of these training courses. We have um, like either a one-day course or a five-day course for an equine ergonomist, and then will go on to be a saddle ergonomist. And they actually can do a, a diagnostic and uh get paid for it, you know, add a little extra yeah. to their yeah their income a
1: income stream for them and a yeah. valuable service yeah. as well, and a, yeah. an education that yeah, twenty years ago they never would have thought to ask they would just and want refer to them
0: yeah and then they and refer them, and refer them, them to
1: someone do. appropriate and help them yeah. out, yeah. really, truly help them out,
0: yeah. rather yeah. than just yeah.
1: say, come back twice a week for the next thirty eight exactly. years but really go yeah. help them out, and yeah. so wow, that must have been a cool. This probably doesn't Good. sound like a marketing strategy. It probably sounds like just something you came across as, wow, a lot of people we exactly, talk about yeah. like, treating our idea. treating our women riders with this. And so there's a whole industry treating the pain that comes from yeah. riding. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. wow, what a cool realization. Well, uh, I'll say the name right this time, Sabina.
0: Sabina.
1: Uh, I could, we could go on forever because this is kind of interesting. I didn't think I'd be this interested <laughs> in the saddle industry. Uh, but, uh, I did have two sisters, uh, in it and one still in it and, uh, and now teaching her daughter about riding. And so, uh, I'll oh, wow. be sure to let them know about it. And so fascinating because, uh, it is so nice to talk to people who love what they're doing. They found their purpose and passion in life. Uh, I'm sure you know lots of people go to work without uh, going to something that's their purpose and their passion. And well, I so have to say that to we people,
0: are we're very, very lucky in our staff. I would say that every single person that works for us, most of them are riders themselves, and everyone who works for us is really passionate. They all go way above and beyond anything that they have to do. And, and, and I mean, They're just the most fantastic group of people, really. Um, They all care, and they're all really proud to be involved in something that really makes such a difference in our industry. So, yeah, you're right. And I always say that if you really love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. Right,
1: right. And people are longing for this. They're longing for something like that. And we could have a whole other discussion on working with your spouse. Some people would be (laughs) in favor of that. Some people would not be in favor of it (laughs) for various reasons. It
0: it works actually quite well because um, uh, our our business partner uh, used to be our bank manager. We hired him away from the bank almost 20 years ago. And and, um, we basically... Uh, there's four of us, he, he and his wife. His wife is our marketing director, and um, the four of us work very well together. He's our CEO. My husband is in outside sales and R&D, mm-hmm. and Kathy's wife is in marketing. So those two are the very creative ones, and, and uh, Earl and I are sort of the uh, administrators and, and you know, more mm-hmm. business people. So it works mm-hmm. out well because uh, we don't really work with our spouses, Right, yeah. right, so, exactly.
1: Because uh, you all have separate areas of expertise. Yeah,
0: and my husband is traveling so much anyway that I very rarely see him. Like he literally is home maybe on average six, seven days a month. Wow. So, yeah. So you have to give up
1: a few. You have to give up a few things in uh, in order to achieve the results you have. And so, if you love what you're doing, it's, you don't always feel like you're giving anything up.
0: Yeah, and truthfully, I'm always so busy that I don't even have time to miss him. So that all works out well. Then when he comes home, it's right. great because it's like you know we don't see each other very often. That's probably why we've been married almost thirty years. Right,
1: right. There's probably women going to listen to this be like, wow, that could work really well. Yeah. <laughs> and when he comes home, he
0: totally disturbs my routine. So it's like when are you right, gonna-?
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, fascinating. Uh, uh the company you have uh Savina, and uh to be on that uh top one hundred female entrepreneurs ten times i didn't even realize that though you had mentioned it, so all the other research I did, I was impressed uh mostly Discovery Channel and uh, the other one Wall Street Journal, that was kind of caught my eye, but to be on that list ten times uh uh very impressive, and I can see why, and I'm looking forward to the book because I love reading about people's mistakes, because once they get to the top female entrepreneur list, people think, wow, they must not have had very many problems. Look at them. They're so successful. But your book is going to let them know uh, <laughs> not, not always took so. a while right? to
0: get there, yes.
1: <laughs> right. And so persist. If it's something you love doing, it's your passion anyway. Just keep yeah. going and keep going. Exactly. Wow, oh, amazing. Thanks so much for being with me uh, tonight, uh, Sabina. Mm-hmm nighttime here in toronto but boy you got me really interested in a in an industry i really didn't know a lot about before i was impressed with your business acumen but now i can see that there's a lot of passion that goes into creating the right saddles for the right people and the right horses
0: well thank you for your time tom it was a pleasure speaking with you
1: take care
0: bye